Okay, so finally we come to, well, the climax of the book of Job where the Lord finally shows up. Um, it's interesting that um, it's almost like the Lord shows up in the midst of Elihu's speech, but he doesn't really acknowledge that uh, Elihu is even speaking. He doesn't acknowledge him at all. And uh, later, you know, we've already said this once, but later he will chastise Job's friends, tell them that they have spoken wrongly. Uh, but he doesn't do that to Elihu. And he will, um, of course, his whole, his whole, uh, God's whole uh, speech is uh, directed at Job. But it's like he ignores Elihu. And um, people have different views about that. I've, what I've put forward so far is that Elihu has been the prophetic voice, so to speak, of God, that he has spoken um, truthfully about God to Job um, in in contrast to what his friends have said. And we've seen that uh, Elihu's main concern was not that Job sinned and that caused his suffering, and that's why he has gone through suffering. Therefore, Job just needs to repent and all his suffering will go away. Um, Elihu was focused more on the long lines of Job's sin in the midst of his suffering. And uh, he, he's focused on Job's words and what Job has said in the midst of his suffering. And we've seen this before that Job basically um, began, I mean, he began his trials um, wonderfully. I mean, better than I would have for sure. Uh, he didn't curse God. He didn't listen to the friends. He didn't, you know, he didn't listen to his wife who told him to curse God. He, he, um, he handled it well. But as suffering just continued on and on and on and on, and there was no response from God. God never answered any of his questions. God never showed up. Um, Job began to cry out to God and to say, you know, I, I want you to come and judge my case. I want you to come to me, and I want you to tell me. Uh, what have I done? I want you to vindicate my righteousness. I want you to... He is basically calling God out, um, calling him on the carpet, so to speak. And it wasn't it wasn't so he could uh, chastise God or that he could do anything like that. He just wanted... Um, he wanted answers from God. And that was the focus of... of uh, of Job's main complaints was that um, he wanted answers from God, which in and of itself is not a bad thing to um, to to wonder about the purpose behind things that happen. Uh, but I think where Job got off track was that um, he began to he began to take his innocence and his righteousness uh, so seriously that he felt as if God. Um, God was wronging him by not coming and giving him explanation. You see, through the whole book of Job, he never charges God with wrongdoing because of his suffering. I mean, he pretty much states that, you know, God gives, God takes away. God is right to do whatever he so wills, and therefore, you know, whatever happens, it's that's the way it's supposed to happen. Um, and then as we progress through his suffering, he he begins calling upon the Lord, saying, you know, I, I, I need you to come and to, to vindicate me. I need you to come and to, um, to explain these things. I need to come and, 
and you to answer these questions. And then God, um, for the most part, God gives him silence. Uh, God doesn't answer him when he calls. And so when, when that happens, Job begins to, he begins to go on a tirade about, you know, I look and he's not there and he's invisible and he doesn't care about my, my needs and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't uh, hear when I cry and, and, and those kind of things. And so those things are the things that Elihu condemns. And, uh, well, we'll see that those things are also the things that the Lord is going to condemn. Now, I'm going to put chapter 38 and 39 together. Um, but this is probably going to be a lot shorter than most of the other episodes that we've recorded. And, um, the chapters are about the same in length. But as God begins speaking, it's almost like, I mean, God is going to take, 38 and 39, and then Job's going to say a little something, and then God's going to speak again. But he's going to take 38 and 39. He's basically going to use the whole chapters. And, of course, it's Hebrew poetry, so it's in a poetic form. But he's going to use both chapters to basically make a single point to Job. And so we're going to read the chapters, and we're going to try to take them apart and see what God is saying to him. But the whole point of this climax of the book of Job is God's going to come to Job and he's going to say, who who do you think you are? Um, you don't have the authority nor the right to come and demand that I do anything. And what's very instructive for us about the book of Job is for all intents and purposes, Job never gets an answer. I mean, you read all the way to the end of the book and he is never told why he is allowed to suffer. Uh, I mean, we know just because of the testing at the beginning of the book, but uh, if you want to find the question behind that, you know, why did you allow me to be tested? Uh, we're never told why. And God doesn't come, when God shows up in a whirlwind, he doesn't come to answer Job's questions. I mean, it's clear from the very onset. He doesn't come to to vindicate Job. He doesn't come to... Uh, provide evidence for Job's case. He doesn't come to relieve Job of the pressures of not knowing in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it's just the opposite. When the Lord shows up, he shows up to question Job. He doesn't show up to provide answers to Job. And what we'll see is that it's instructive um, that when God does actually shows up, and He when he does show up and he begins putting these questions, and they're I mean, they're just relentless. I mean, you you can make your point uh, concisely and effectively. But in this poetic form, and God speaks to Job, it's just over and over and over. Who do you think you are? Have you the power that I have? Have you done what I've done? Do you see what I see? Do you? I mean, just over and over. It's like he, he backs Job up against the wall, and he just keeps on slamming him with these questions, with these, and, you know, it, you, you feel like, about the about halfway through job is feels like he's about an inch tall you know because god is just railing on him with these questions and it's it's almost it's almost um well it is kind of you feel kind of sorry for him i mean you feel kind of bad for him but 
uh, it's instructive for us because, you know, we go through suffering and we call for God. You know, uh, it hadn't been too many days ago that I told the lady here in the hospital that, you know, um, she was questioning. And I told her that, you know, God's big enough for you to question, you know. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, he doesn't owe you any answers and he doesn't owe me any answers. But he's given us his word. He's given us the fact that all things work together for good. Uh, so we need to come to him in faith saying we know that all things work together for good. I don't know why you're allowing me to suffer. I don't know why you've you've allowed this to come into my life, but I know that it's for my good and I'm trusting in your word. Um, he's given us answers. We have his word. We have uh, the body of believers. The He speaks to us through each other. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. He's given us these gifts, but most often we don't want we don't want to hear what he has said, we want him to speak in a new way to us. We want him to speak uh, audibly, for lack of a better word. So let's just read the chapters, and we're going to see God is going to uh, God's going to question Job. Verse thirty-eight begins where it says, "Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind." Uh, God didn't just walk up and tap Job on the back. He, uh, you know, and and often, you know, the it's. You see in the Old Testament that the Lord appears in these theophanies is what they're called, you know, fire and um, Moses, the burning bush. He appeared on Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning and smoke and all these things. And he comes to Job in a whirlwind. And uh, another thing we ought to notice in this, this chapter 38, it says, Then the Lord, that's the first time since the very, very beginning of the book that God's covenant name has been used, uh, Yahweh. And that's, uh, of course, Job pictures a time back before there was Israel, before there was Abraham and, uh, and all those and all those things. But it's, uh, it's instructive for us that uh, here it's the, the covenant-keeping God, the covenant God, the covenant name of God, Yahweh, that appears to Job. It's not just God, Elohim. It's not just uh, nameless, faceless deity. It's this covenant-keeping God, and, and uh, his name was used that way in the first chapter as well. And here is uh, it hasn't been used that way since until now. Uh, and the Lord appears to him in a whirlwind, and he, he challenges Job. But look what he challenges him f- with. He doesn't say, you have you know, uh, sinned and done wrong, and that's why you suffered and all these things. He challenges Job because of the words that Job has spoken. Verse 2 says, God told Job, he said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He says, Who do you think you are speaking the way you've spoken about me? And you have no knowledge about the things which you speak. Um, you have no understanding about God and about Yahweh and about what it is that I do and how I maintain the earth and how I, um, you know, manage the universe, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, who, who do you think you are that has come to give me counsel? Uh, that's like, um, you know, uh, if in, in college I had a calculus professor, you know, and that would be like uh, uh, an ant or a slug trying to give this calculus professor advice on equations. You know, it's, it just it doesn't make much sense. And so God is like, who, who, who is this? Who is this here that 
that's darkening counsel, that's trying to give me counsel um, with his words, yet he has no knowledge. Um, he doesn't come to explain why Job went through what he went through. He comes to question, and he, he comes to place Job on trial. He doesn't come to witness at Job's trial. He comes to prosecute Job. And uh, verse 3 says, dress for action like a man. He's like, he basically telling him, you know, in the southern vernacular, he tells him to man up. It's like, okay, you want to you wanna talk these things? Well, you dress for action like a man. He says, I will question you, and you make it known to me. He's come to put, he's come to put Job on trial. Um, he tells him uh, in Hebrew, verse 3 says, to, to gird up your loins. And that means to get yourself ready. Um, the the Hebrews wore, you know, big long robes, uh, you know, down over their 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 ankles, you know, and they still do in the Middle East today. And uh, when they would go to fight, they would have to they would take the the bottom of that robe and they would pull it up between their legs and they would tuck it into their belt so they could run and they could fight and they could move and maneuver and that was what was meant by girding up your loins. You would gird up that robe and you would tuck it into the to the waist belt or sash or whatever. And so it was a, a call to be ready. And so that's what he was saying. He's like, you 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 get yourself ready because I'm going to question you. Um, I haven't come for you to question me. I haven't come uh, to make known to you the secrets of the universe. He says, I've come to question you since obviously you have knowledge and you have authority. Um, therefore, I want you to, you, you to make it known to me. And so the first section, which is pretty much most of the chapter 38, um, the Lord is going to challenge Job to explain the creation. And so what we're going to see here, and it's, I mean, it is, it is relentless. It just keeps on going, keeps on going. I know Job's thinking, okay, I got the point about halfway through, but God just doesn't, doesn't let up. And so what he's going to do, what God's going to do, he's going to ask Job a series of questions about things that only God knows about. He's going to ask him about how creation was made, about the the activities of the animals and how they're cared for and how they're managed, the the stars of heaven. I mean, he's just going to, he's going to uh, sarcastically ask Job these questions knowing that Job has no answer for them. And Job can't have an answer. He's just a mortal. He's just a finite being. So he can't know these things. Um, only God knows these things. And the point behind all of this, I mean, he, he goes a long way around the block to get to it. But the point behind all of this is God is telling Job, hey, I am the one that's in control. I am the one with all the knowledge. I'm the one who is in charge of the universe. And I am the one that has responsibility of this universe. Um, don't ever think that you're going to uh, call me out on the carpet or come and try me for my management of the universe or say that I am unjust or say that I'm unfair or anything like that. You have no basis to make such an accusation because you have no knowledge about what it means to be Yahweh. And so that's what he's going to do. And so, um, verses, there's a lot of verses and not a lot to say about them because, 
Um, he's 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 going to just hammer this same point over and over and over again. The first thing we see is that God is the builder and the designer of creation. He uses all this design language, and he's going to ask Job, uh, "Where were you at when I built?" the universe. He says, verse 4 says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? You hear all the building language, laid the foundation, determine the measurements, stretch the line, sunk the bases, laid the cornerstone. He's he's giving us, uh, he's questioning Job about the building, uh, the manufacture, the designing of the universe. Uh, if Job has decided that he's going to be questioning God, then he must have understanding of how the universe was made um, because you kind of have to have that foundation under you before you start judging whether God's doing a good job or not. Um, and so God is the builder and the designer of creation, and Job's not. <laughs> and so he says, can you imagine when these first words were uttered, what Job was thinking? You know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Um, I wasn't I wasn't even born. I wasn't even a thought. Uh, who determined the measurements of the of the earth, the foundation of it? Who 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 made these bases? Who laid this cornerstone? Who who dug this foundation? Um, the answer to those questions, of course, is is God. And uh, the the only thing that he can be saying in this particular context is that um, you don't have a right to ask me these questions. You don't have a right to judge me because I am the one who who built all these things. And so he he also says in verse eight through eleven he he uses parent language, uh, parental fatherly care. You know, as if creation was a baby that he. Um, that he brought into existence and that he cared for. Um, he says in verse 8, it says, who shut, the, who shut in the seas with doors when it burst out from the womb? You see the birth language? When I made clouds its garment, I made clothes for it. And thick darkness its swaddling band. That's what the, the babies wore, the swaddling band. And prescribed the limits for it and set bars and doors and said thus far, shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed he's the father of creation he said who where who was it who was it that gave birth to this universe who was it that that swaddled this universe that took care of it when when things were were needed and prescribed the limits for it who was it that set the boundaries of all these things and who says you'll you'll go this far but you won't go any farther who was it that separated the earth and the land who was it that done that did these things uh, of course job doesn't have an answer for these things um, in 12 and 13 it, it, God shows that he is also the commander and the general of creation. He's the one that speaks and creation obeys. Uh, it says, verse 12 says, Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, uh, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? He says, have you commanded the morning? Do, do you tell the sun to rise? Do you... Do you uh, do you cause the dawn to know exactly when it's placed? Have you have you made the the times and the seasons, the rotations of the earth? The uh, do you, are you in charge of any of this stuff? 
Um, are, are you the one who tells the, the morning when it's time to come? And in verse 14, he, he shows that he's the judge also. Not only is the builder designer, he's the father commander, he's also the judge. Um, he says, it, it is changed like clay under the seal, and its feathers stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. I'm the one who judges, judges the wicked. Uh, when the sun comes up, uh, it, it rains down my judgment or it rains down my blessing. Uh, its features stand out like a garment, and from the wicked their light is withheld. Uh, I choose when uh, judgment is come upon the earth. I choose when uh, the wicked's arms are broken, the prideful's arms are broken. That's that's my job. That's what I do. Um, and then uh, verses 16 through 21, the Lord is going to question Job about about immaterial things, about the spirit universe, about the invisible things of the universe. Um, he says, he says, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of its depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. He's saying, Job, uh, have you... Have you been around? Do you know where uh, the spiritual realities come from? Do you know? Have you been to the, the gates of death and hell? Have you seen the, the, the gates of deep darkness? Do you know where the, the boundaries of the spirit realm lie, so to speak? Um, do you know any of these things? Or are you, like all of us mortals are, are you confined right now to this material universe? You have no idea of the things that you speak, but yet you speak so cavalierly about what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm supposed to do in your life and what I'm supposed to do in the life of your family and the life on earth, but you have no understanding of these things. He also has no knowledge of you know, the, uh, the invisible things of the universe, <clears throat> uh, light and darkness. Verse 19 says, where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory? Do you know how to lead light and darkness to where it belongs? It says, and that you may discern the past to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Man, it's getting a little sarcastic. Uh, when he, you know, uh, when God starts talking to you this way, well, well surely you know. For, for you were born then, weren't you? And the numbers of your days is great. That's verse 21. Man, you can just, I can just hear Job squeaking as he's shrinking in the corner. And God is saying, well, now, now you, you've, you've judged my works. You've judged the way I do things. You've judged my management of your life and management of the universe. Um, since you have so much knowledge and since you have so much understanding of how things ought to work and how things should be in, in the perfect universe that you would create, tell me about all these things. Tell me where the dwelling of light is and how you would take it to its territory. Um, how do you discern the paths to where darkness and light goes? Um, of course, Job has no understanding of any of these things, and none of us do. Um, and then up until from the next verse to 22 to about 38, um, God is going to, uh, he's going to question Job about the management of creation. And that's really where Job's objections have, have been coming from. Um, Job is, 
he's questioned God about God's response to Job's cry for vindication, Job's cry for a hearing, for for God to, you know, I know this is God is omnipotent and omnipresent, but basically Job has has called for God to stop what you're doing and come down here and explain to me what's going on. And uh, God is is that you know God is like. It, like I said, it'd be it'd be like it'd be like a, an ant or a slug, uh, you know, telling a, a brain surgeon to uh, you know stop working on this guy's brain and and explain to me the process of what's going on. Uh, the brain surgeon wouldn't take the time to do so because the slug couldn't understand it anyway. Um, it was it would almost be offensive. Uh, it would almost be offensive for the brain surgeon to think, well, I, I need to stop so I can explain myself to this little ant. You know, he needs to know what's going on. And, and <clears throat> of course, that analogy is not perfect, and it's much more than a brain surgeon and a slug. It's God and, and his creature, but it's helpful. In verse 22, he says, Have you entered the storehouses of snow, or have you seen the storehouses of hail? which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Um, of course, Job has no, he has no control over any of he, he can't control when it snows. He's never seen any storehouse of hail. He doesn't know that God is reserving this for a time of trouble or releases it when the day of battle and war comes. He has no idea where how light is distributed or or where the wind comes from uh, he he doesn't know any of these things, but yet he took it upon himself to to judge God's management of these things um it was a it was a great storm that blew the house down that killed his that killed his family and so you can think back and picture what it must have felt like, what it must have been like for him to say, you know, God, how could you let this happen? And here, here God is, you know, God's asking him, he's like, well, well, you tell me how the wind is scattered upon the earth. Um, of course, Job has no idea. Um, and then God's going to talk to him about the care for the earth, um, where no man, where no men live, you know, uh, verse 25 says, who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is on the desert in which there is no man to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. He says, God's saying in that, in effect, you know, I, I take care of the earth where there aren't any men. Why do you think you're special and that you can call upon me and I'm going to stop what I'm doing and come and, and give counsel with you that I'm going to come and explain myself. Um, God does what he does, um, and he does reveal himself to mankind. He has revealed himself. He sent, he came himself, sent his only son, uh, to the earth. So <clears throat> the way that he's speaking here, it, it it's almost, it, it almost sounds like God is just, you know, this king up in heaven and he's too, you know, um, he is too, uh, he's too busy with important things to bother with little peons like you and me um and the reality is that that is a fact that is truth um, but god so loved the world that he does concern himself with the everyday 
uh, with the everyday facets of your life and my life. And, and likewise, he did concern himself with the everyday goings-on of Job's life. If you think back all the way back to the first chapter, God told Satan, he said, you need to check out my man Job. Job is righteous in all his ways. How did God know that? Well, of course, God's God. He knows everything. But he was intimately involved with all the aspects of Job's life. He was in fellowship with Job. So even the fact that God is God and all the management and the care of the universe is under his power, um, he he tells, he, he, uh, he loves us enough that he is intimately involved with us. But he's coming to Job and speaking these things the way he's doing because Job has been presumptuous with God. Job has been, um, yeah, I, I almost didn't say arrogant, but he has been arrogant. He wasn't, he wasn't arrogant in uh, his sin that caused suffering. We know that it was not his sin that caused his suffering. But he was uh, arrogant when his suffering um, culminated in his uh, questions of God when they uh, manifested themselves in um, the way that he uh, called God out. You owe me explanation. You owe me a trial. You owe me a hearing. Um, he, he was arrogant when he, when he called upon God uh, the way that he did. Um, now, and there's a balance that needs to be struck there. I, you know, it's is it arrogant to question God about anything? Uh, is it arrogant to ask the question why? Some people say it's uh, against faith in general to ask the question why. Um, I don't think that I'm there yet. Um, I think that because God is a good shepherd, he's a loving father, that, um, you know, I, I, I don't get mad at my kids when they ask why. Uh, but I do, I I do discipline them when they when they arrogantly um, usurp my authority. When they, um, you know, when they come to me with, uh, you know, if, if to put it in layman's terms, put it in a, a way that may be helpful with an analogy. And I know no analogy is perfect, but if uh, if my son were to come and say, you know. I, the way that you run this house and the way that you provide for this house is um, it's negligent and you're not really doing a good job and you owe me an explanation as to how, why this is the way it is, um, that would be akin to what Job has done. Um, if my son were to say that to me, I would come to him and say, well, let's go in here and look at your television and your room and your PlayStation 4 and your, your iPad and your iPhone and your i-whatever. And, you know, let's let's look at all the things. Let's go in your closet and look at how, you know. And I, I would go through and just show him, well, my management of this house must not be that bad because you've been a very blessed young man. And so God is coming to Job um, after his questioning of God's um, God's management and saying, well, who do you think you are? Who was the one, I mean, who, who, who cut a channel for the torrents of rain and provides the way for a thunderbolt and uh, provides for the land where there aren't any people? You know, who is that? Uh, verse 20, 28 says, um, you know, he says, who, 
he asked him who gives rise to the elements that bless and judge the land. You know, it's the the same rain that that judges the land with floods and tornadoes and whatever is the rain that blesses another to make his make his crops grow. And so God's blessing and judgment is in his hands. Verse 28 says, has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew from whose womb did the ice come forth and who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone in the face of the deep. Uh, is frozen. Uh, he's saying, who is the one who makes these? Who who, who decides uh, when the, when the ice will, when the water will freeze over, and and who makes the dew that that feeds the ground, and who makes the ice that comes and destroys whatever it, you know, whatever it touches. You know, who does that? And the question is answered by it's God that does that. And uh, thirty one, he, he starts to talk about the stars. You know. Uh, um, Pleiades is, and that's probably not pronounced right, but that's a that's a constellation, and Orion is a constellation, and there's a there's good evidence for uh, Maseroth and the bear, uh, their their constellations um, as well. There's good evidence that uh, that that that's what he's talking about. The bear is used um, in another place as a constellation, and so it says. Um, can you bind the chains of Pleiades and or, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? He's, he's saying, to, you know... If you're so smart, if you're the one who can manage all this better, can you, can you do anything but the stars of heaven? Are they under your control? Verse 34 through 38, I told you it was relentless. I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. If I was Job, I'd be like, I'd be wanting to raise my hand going, okay, I got the point. I got the point. I got it. You're in charge. Um, verse 34 says, he's talking about the elements of nature. He says, can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or giving understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds? By wisdom, who can tilt the water skins of heaven when the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together? Um, Job is uh, he is in a, in a predicament here. God is is putting it to him, and he's he's not letting up, and he's not he's not going to let up at all. Even when Job does get a chance to speak at the beginning of chapter forty, um, he's going to say a couple of lines, and then God's going to go right in to him again, um, and. <laughs> The, what God is saying is is perfectly clear. I mean, he, the the poetic form in which it takes is uh, it's relentless. But uh, what He's saying is clear. He's un, understand, son. I am God. Uh, I am the one who's in control of these things. I am the one that manages all these things. I'm the one that um, speaks in creation, jumps into existence. Um, I don't know if I'm going to read all of chapter thirty nine, but the chapter 38 verse 39 starts a section that continues through the end of chapter 39 and it's all about the animal kingdom his supervision of the animals um in in verse 39 of chapter 38 he asks can you hunt the prey for a lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lion he he talks about the lions then in uh, verse 41 he talks about the ravens caring for them uh in 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 uh the first four verses of chapter 39, he talks about, uh, you know, the birth of mountain goats, 
you know, it, it's almost comical that, you know, Job, uh, th- who thinks he knows so much about what should be going on, can't even explain the way that mountain goats give birth. Uh, when you can't explain something, like, uh, he can't, in verses 5 through 8 of chapter thir- uh, 39, God asks him about uh, th- giving the land, giving plains and pastures for the wild donkey. Um, verse, uh, verses 9 through 12, he asks about the wild ox. He says, you know, now, now surely the wild ox is going to serve you uh, because you're the great Job, you know, he, right? And so <clears throat> he he goes on to talk about the how Job doesn't understand how an ostrich mother cares for her eggs, uh, doesn't understand how... Uh, the thinking of the ostrich mother who will go off and leave their eggs. Um, verses 19 through 25, he talks about horses. God asked Job, uh, where does the horse get its power? Where does, you know, who, who provides the horse with these things? And, and verses, the last few verses, 26 through 30, talk about the hawk, you know, and talk about how it makes its nests and, and how it spies out its food and how its young ones are fed. And, and so he goes from, in chapter 30, 38, he comes and confronts Job, and he starts off with the creation and asks Job, you know, who, who built this? Who controls this? Who, who is the father of all this? Then he asks Job about <clears throat> the spiritual universe, the, the gates of darkness and the gates of death and the heavens and those things. Job has no idea. He asks Job about the invisible things of the universe, light and darkness and those things. Job has no idea. He asks Job about the control of the weather cycles, the ice and the snow and the thunders and the lightnings. Job has no idea. He asks Job about the stars and the constellations in heaven and how they are, how they're governed, how they're managed. Job has no idea. Then at the end of chapter 38 into chapter 39, um, he asked Job about the animal kingdom, the lions and the ravens and the goats and the donkeys and wild oxes and ostriches and horses and, and hawks and those things. Job has no idea. Job, and, and I think this may, you know, there are some commentators, some scholars who believe that um, God, is, God is coming to Job and questioning him on the basis of the dominion mandate that God gave to mankind when he created um we know that adam was given dominion over the earth to be god's vice regent so to speak he would care for the animals and and rule over the creation and and just be god's governor for lack of a better way to put it over the creation and of course man fell and uh, he didn't forfeit that dominion but that dominion is not perfect uh it is affected by the fall and therefore sinful. And so God comes and uh, and he's questioning Job, not just about, hey, Job, I'm God and you're not. But Job is, Job is, um, Job has questioned God about something that, that man, sinful mankind has forfeited in his sin. I don't know if that's the best way to put it because we haven't forfeited. We still have a dominion mandate, but that is not fully realized because of the effects of the fall. Um, and so God has come to Job finally after 38 chapters of suffering and counsel 
and arguments and those things. God finally shows up. Job finally gets exactly what he asked for. He asked for a um, he asked for a hearing. He asked for God to hear his case. He asked for God to explain his ways, and he asked for God to come and vindicate him. And so God finally shows up. And instead of vindication, Job gets accusation. Instead of, instead of explanation, Job uh, is questioned. And the questions all point to the same, um, the same theological point, and that is that God is in control. And we're so thankful that he is a good God, and he is uh, concerned with his children. But at the same time, uh, his children are his creatures, and the creature has no right to judge the inner workings of the Creator um, because it is from him that we know all things. It's, uh, it's from him that we get our understanding of right and wrong. Uh, without God, there would be no right and wrong. It would just be you know, tooth and fang, you know, the strongest survive. And so whatever I did to get my genes into the next, into the next uh, generation would be considered right. But because we, there is a God, we do know right and wrong. So what Job has done, in essence, is he has taken what God has given him, the understanding of that right and wrong, and he's turned it around and pointed the accusation that God himself is wrong in not answering Job uh, right when he asked to be um, to be examined. He uh, he has done wrong by um, not listening to Job's cry. This is what Job thinks. Of course, God of course did listen to Job's cry, and so when God shows up, um, it's not a matter of Hey, Job, I'm really sorry that you're having a bad day and you're having a bad life, and you know. I, this is really the way it had to happen because, you know, this you know it's going to turn out for your good. And it, it, God doesn't do any of that at all. Instead, He comes and questions Job and says, "Who do you think you are? Uh, I'm the one who allows you to understand right, and yet you've turned that back on me and accused me of not being in the right." Um, let's talk about the creation. Let's talk about what it means to be God. And uh, you tell me all the things that you know about being God, uh, and, and you explain them to me since you're so ready to teach me what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to be and how the world would be better under your authority. And uh, he just goes after Job. And uh, we're going to see at the end that Job is rewarded, and Job does repent. Job repents profusely and uh, refuses to answer back to God. And this is what he should have done at the beginning, but he refuses to answer. God asks him point blank these questions. Who is it? What do you know? Say what you know. And Job basically tells him at the beginning of chapter 40, uh, basically he says, look, I'm not going to answer because I'm wrong and I'm sorry. And and God's going to continue on. And then at the end of the book, we'll see that, that God actually does bless Job. Um, but the point here, it, it just can't be missed. God is asking Job, who do you think you are to question me? Who do you think you are to say that I am unjust for not answering you right when you called? 